Okay. The Deputy Minister will elaborate at length on vote 26 and other areas. I've chosen this theme in recognition of the enormous difficulties our country and our people have had to face over the past year. I also pay tribute to our men and women in uniform for their unwavering commitment to duty during this time. Our uniform members and civilian counterparts were asked to put their lives on the line to support the efforts to contain the spread of COVID-19. The tragedy and heartbreak endured by our citizens in general and by the members of the Department of Defense in particular has tempered our resolve, our resolve as a nation and as the defense community to overcome this pandemic. The pandemic has completely changed the future security landscape of our region by negatively impacting on human security, economic growth, trade and development. Even though the Sadak region is relatively stable, this pandemic has served to amplify the existing conflict drivers, especially those fueled by human security issues. They will have to be careful and deliberate coordination of security efforts between member states to claw back the losses to human security throughout the region. We continue to be concerned by the security developments in our region, in particular, the upsurge of insurgency in our neighboring country, Mozambique. This has a potential of spilling over to the entire region. The Sadak regional leadership is seized with the matter and we hope for a speedy resolution. Honorable members, as the executive authority for the defense function and in keeping with my responsibility, it is incumbent upon me to provide policy and strategic direction, ensuring that the constitutional obligations set out are complied with. This budget vote speech provides me with the opportunity to share some critical aspects on where we find ourselves in the quest to defend and protect the Republic of South Africa and its people. Before I do that, I must recognize recent changes in the senior appointments of this department. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, we'll bid farewell to General Soli Shoke at the end of this month. General Shoke has been the longest serving Chief Defense in the history of the Armed Forces of the Republic of South Africa. He has served for 10 years with honor and has been indispensable to me as Minister of Defense and Military Veterans. On behalf of this House, I would like to thank him for his outstanding contribution and his unwavering commitment to uphold the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa. Indeed, we owe him our profound gratitude. We also bid farewell to Lieutenant General Zimbandem Simang, the former Chief of the Air Force who retired last year. Lieutenant General Jeremiah Nyembe, the Chief of Defense Intelligence, and Lieutenant General Zola Tabula, the Surgeon General. These members of the military command have served with distinction and we thank them for their invaluable contribution. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Ambassador Kuju as our new Secretary for Defense. Ambassador Kuju was appointed with effect from the 1st of August, 2020. In that position, she assumes the role of the head of department an accounting officer and the head of the Defense Secretariat. In addition, Ambassador Kuchu has also had the responsibility 
to ensure the efficient management and function of the National COVID Command Center during this time of national disaster. I would like to take this opportunity to congratulate Lieutenant General Rudzani Mapwanya on his appointment and promotion as Chief of the South African National Defense Force with effect from the 1st of June this year. Lieutenant General Mapwanya has an impressive track record and extensive successful operational experience. We wish him well and look forward to working with him. It also gives me great pleasure to congratulate Major General Talita Mkakato on her promotion and appointment as Chief of Defense Intelligence with effect from the 1st of June, 2021. Honorable members, Major General Mkakato is the first female appointment to the rank of Lieutenant General in the history of the Armed Forces of the Republic of South Africa and the first female member of the military command. This appointment truly advances the position of women in the South African National Defense Force. We also welcome the appointment and promotion of Lieutenant General Wiseman Bambo as the new chief of the Air Force. In addition, we also congratulate Major General Sipiwe Sangweni on his promotion to Lieutenant General and appointment as Chief Joint Ops with effect from the 1st of June 2021. We congratulate Major General Chaveni Mapaha on his appointment and promotion to Lieutenant General in the post of Surgeon General with effect from the 1st of November 2021. Chairperson, Honorable Members, we appreciate that we appear before this House under conditions of a severely constrained fiscus. Nonetheless, we must inform this House of the negative impact our declining allocation has had and will continue to have on the Department of Defense in general, our military capabilities in particular, and our ability to meet our operational responsibility assigned to us as well as our international obligations. The reduction of over 15 billion rands over the MTF has placed us in a very difficult position. Our capital budget has effectively been reduced to a trickle link and the operating budget is under extreme pressure. Under these conditions, we are finding it very difficult to improve the serviceability of our prime mission equipment. Whilst we are fully aware of the fiscal challenge that South Africa has, the reduction of our allocation has a devastating impact, not only on the defense force, but also on our defense industry and defense-related industry and the many SMMEs in the supply chain. I'm at great pain to remind this House that this is a matter which I have raised in my 2019 budget vote speech. Chairperson, honorable members, if we are honest with ourselves, we now have to face the reality that if we do not intervene in a decisive manner, we will lose our state-owned defense industrial base and the ability to repair, maintain, and overhaul most of our defense systems. This not only compromises our ability to maintain our current equipment in service, but also fundamentally impacts on our long-term ability to remain relevant and ready to conduct effective operations in the future. Should this happen, we may well, as well find ourselves reliant on foreign powers for our main equipment, and this will come at a great strategic expense. When the knock-off effect 
of this has had dire consequences for the contribution that the defense industry makes to science and technology development, manufacturing, export earnings, education, and artisan training, jobs for our people and the economy in general. We'll recall the public-private growth initiative of the president to boost the economy and rapidly improve job prospects for our people. The defense industry was identified as an economic sector with significant potential to catalyze economic growth in South Africa. Chairperson, our defense capabilities are under extreme stress. Our ability to equip and train our force appropriately has become progressively more difficult. The current threat manifestations require more boots on the ground, which is contrary to the imposed funding ceiling on personnel. In addition, the ability to maintain main equipment for operations has declined to the point where we need to ask if it is in fact viable to continue to throw resources at them. This coupled to the demise of the defense industry and in particular DINEL has placed us in a very precarious position. Our defense capabilities are heavily reliant on defense industry and in particular DINEL. Our maritime defense is in the same situation whilst we commend the efforts of AMSCO to turn around the dockyard. We are nonetheless finding it difficult to maintain our fleet against the float sail and fight concept of combat readiness. However, we can report that the multi-mission inshore patrol vessel, part of Project Viral, is progressing under a partial acquisition. The first of three vessels is nearing completion and is on track to be delivered during August this year. The second vessel will be delivered during September next year. These vessels will improve our ability to protect our maritime resources and our territorial waters. Project Hotel is also progressing well. The delivery of the hydrographic survey vessel system is set for April 2023. This ship will allow us to meet our obligations to the international community according to the highest international standards. The ability of our military health capability to meet its mandate is severely strained. The health support to our deployed troops, their families, which is core to maintaining combat-ready personnel, as well as the support to our military veterans, is increasingly becoming limited. This is due to outdated and obsolete equipment, the loss of medical professionals such as medical specialists, doctors and nurses resulting in the scaling down of certain medical services and outsources of others at great expense. Chairperson, honorable members, I must remind the House of Section 227 of the Interim Constitution, which pronounces that one of the functions of the Defence Force is, and I quote, for service in the defence of the Republic, for the protection of its sovereignty and territorial integrity, close quote. Whilst we seek to build safer communities at home and promote greater peace, security, and stability in the region and elsewhere on the continent, we are mindful of significant increases in the asymmetric threats that we face. We are not immune to fundamentalism and extremism, terrorism, cyber crimes, and organized crime. All of these are significantly increasing on the continent 
and in the region, defending South Africa, protecting its people, and safeguarding our borders and the economy extends to our landward maritime airspace as well as our cyber domains. The Defense Forces' role in safeguarding South Africa and its people and protecting its domestic and regional interests are paramount in advancing the nation state. Key to our national security is the delicate balance in the relationship between the government, the people, and the business community, all of which have a symbiotic relationship in advancing human security in South Africa. Growing the economy remains the single most important objective to South Africa, restoring this balance. To this end, the National Defense Force has a pivotal and unique contribution to ensure stability and security and the confidence to invest in the future of South Africa in the region. However, we continue to be forced to adopt a short-term view with an increasingly constrained value proposition to South Africa and its people. Strategically, we have now transitioned from being mandate-driven to being funding-driven. I wish to remind this House that defense can only perform to the extent that it is resourced and funded. Against this backdrop, I once again ask of this House to apply its mind and wisdom to the question, what kind of defense force should South Africa have and what can it afford? Honorable members, what we need is a defense force that can influence widely, react swiftly, contain effectively, and support efficiently whenever it is deployed. In the light of the fiscal constraints we are facing, the SANDF will have to rebalance its military capabilities towards a future force that has a wide range of utility. This must ensure future relevance and the ability to sustainably execute selected priority missions, perform its core mandate functions, and provide value to South Africa as a developmental state. However, this does not come without significant risk. Against these realities, and in line with the principles and recommendations contained in the South African Defense Review, I've taken the following steps towards creating stability in the defense function. First, I've issued a directive to the department in which specific measures to effect cost savings in our personnel budget over time must be implemented. In addition, measures are to be put in place that will ensure the rejuvenation of the SANTF as we accommodate the voluntary separation of members wishing to do so. We'll continue to focus on attracting young, fit, and healthy men and women with a passion for soldiering and service to South Africa. Secondly, I've requested the Secretary of Defense to develop a departmental policy position on an affordable level of defense ambition, cognizant of our funding challenges and the emerging real and tangible threats to the national security of the Republic. I've also requested that we have insight to the defense systems and capabilities that will have to be decommissioned and the risk estimate, estimate attached thereto in the interest of achieving defense efficiency. It is my intention to approach and engage cabinet and the parliamentary oversight with the outcomes of this work. Thirdly, I've requested the chief of the South African National Defense Force to finalize the blueprint force design being cognizant of our strategic circumstances. In addition, I've indicated that the command and staff structure 
of the Defence Force will have to change if we are to ensure improved efficiency and effectiveness in the future. To this end, we should focus on implementation as soon as is practically impossible. Fourth, I've requested the Secretary of Defence to reposition the Defence Secretariat so as to strengthen governance of the department and civil control over the SANDF. This repositioning must be synchronized with the changes to the command and staff arrangements and implementation thereof by the SANDF. Fifth, I've requested the CEO of AMSCO to collaborate with the Chief of the South African National Defence Force and the Secretary for Defence to develop a pragmatic recommendation on how to modernise the South African National Defence Force under current fiscal and industry constraints. As we move forward, I've also requested advice from AMSCO on the relationships that must be developed in support of the level of defense ambition and the affordable force design that supports it. In short, we are looking for a pragmatic, affordable and focused response from industry. These interventions will allow us to ensure that the SENTF is able to carry on with its mandate of safeguarding the sovereignty and territorial integrity of our Republic. Honorable Chair, members, it is also incumbent on me to provide feedback, feedback on our efforts over the last year. The SENTF has been progressively asked to do more for less for several years now. This last year, however, was unprecedented but it was a challenge that the members who make up this proud national asset accepted and met with enthusiasm. We are tasked to provide the largest, we're tasked to provide the largest deployment since our democracy in support of the state of national disaster. Not only did we focus on ensuring the citizens adhered to social distancing and wearing of masks, but we also delivered in many other ways that were unseen. The SANTF deployed 8,119 personnel made up of members of the regular force, reserve force, and auxiliary services in support of other government departments to mitigate and combat the spread of COVID-19 pandemic. It conducted 12,452 roadblocks, 7,800 vehicle checkpoints, and 35,000 patrols. We also responded urgently when needed providing drinking water and building bridges in remote areas. And we deployed our medical professional to areas that were buckling under the strain of the pandemic. Notwithstanding this, the Department of Defense has also suffered its own challenges with COVID-19. We have recorded a number of COVID-19 positive pay cases and fatalities during this pandemic, particularly during the second wave. It is important to recognize that the contribution of the Cuban medical team was enormous. They conducted just over 79,298 total procedures, significantly improving our ability to save the lives of our members in uniform. We will continue to support the Department of Health in the rollout of the vaccine program. We have availed our air transport and air facilities to assist in this endeavor if required to do so. Throughout all this, the SNTF has continued to fulfill its constitutional mandate to defend the land, sea, and air sovereignty of South Africa, aiding law enforcement agencies in their fight against cross-border crime, as well as fulfilling the country's global responsibility in peacekeeping. 
We continue to conduct search and rescue, disaster relief, and humanitarian operations across the home front and in neighboring countries when called upon. It is important to Minister. Yes, unfortunately, sir. your time has expired. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, we proceed. Uh, let me remind uh, members, when you see my face appearing on the screen, you must know that you only have one minute left. Uh, I won't uh, tell you, but uh, I switch off my video. Once I switch it on, know that you have one minute to, to finish. Thank you very much. Uh, we proceed now and call on the ANC Honorable Kava. Uh, Madam House Chair, Minister Nusivue, Mapisa Nagula, Deputy Minister Chabang Makwetla, Secretary for Defense, and the Chief of the South African Defense Force, Chiefs of Arms of Service, uh, Honorable Members. I join the Minister in bidding farewell to General uh, Shoke, uh, the Chief of the South African Defense Force, after well over 40 years of service to the nation. To have spent so many years and bowing out blamelessly deserves our own and respect. We take this opportunity to salute him and thank his family for supporting him all these years. They too deserve our praises. Since the last budget, we have received news of the departure of a few generals who too reached, reached their retirement age. Equally, we thank them for devoting their lives to serving and protecting uh, the nation. Before the end of the month, the nation will be welcoming a new chief of the South African Defense Force, signaling a change of guard and a new direction. We congratulate him as we thank him for accepting the nomination for appointment to the highest position in the National Defense Force. Last year, around this time, the Commander-in-Chief authorized SNTF deployment across the country to work in collaboration with other departments and to cooperate with the police in an effort to disrupt COVID-19. This deployment received mixed reaction and sparked outreach from uh, uh, doomsayers. I accept that many people were exposed to images of a soldier in boots and carrying gun, sorry, carrying a gun in the township villages and suburb, an unusual experience after experience after close to three decades. The media went a buzz of soldiers who were out there with rifles and ordering people to stay at home. The many millions who were behind the deployment objective appreciated the participation of the SNDF in the fight against the pandemic. What people saw of the SNDF was what the media selectively published as that was 
all they were deployed to do. South Africa was honored to have men and women who joined the dedicated frontline staff and were prepared to lay down their lives to protect life. These men and women participated in decontamination procedures, COVID-19 awareness education, scanning and screening processes, water purification that saw well over 20 million waters, sorry, 20 million liters of water purified and delivered to needy communities and assisted municipalities in building bridges and solving water and sanitation problems. For an example, 180, let me say well over 180 engineers from the South African Defense Force were deployed in teams to all nine provinces. Primary health care teams, doctors, nurses and auxiliary staff uh, members were also released from the South African military health services to join forces with the medical teams from the Department of Health. Those deployed with the police or on the border seized drugs, weapons, and contrabands worth tens of millions of rands. Some people were taking advantage of the situation and infiltrating illegal goods and other items into the country. They were stopped in their tracks. That said, the coronavirus outbreak yet again reminded us of the inequalities in our society. The rollout of the vaccine continues to bring hope in the fight against the pandemic. This budget, um, the budget we are presenting to, uh, this budget is presented under difficult conditions of global economic uh, conditions. With, uh, sorry, economic recession, with skyrocketing unemployment rate, high level of poverty and inequality, and constrained uh, fiscals. The constrained fiscal environment has forced managers to do more with less and look for measures um, uh, to effect savings to fund, to fund new projects. The Department of Defense also too, took a cut. However, the department remains committed to the protection of the territorial integrity and the South African people. The department has had to revise its program allocation and targets to remain within the budget. The impact has been severe in other areas against the demand for more service. Spending on personnel has been an ongoing concern for the DOD in recent years. This will continue to affect the department. Over the medium term, 62%, 62.1% of the DOD's total allocation is set to spend on personal cost. This signals a regression considering the envisaged spending of 40% on personnel as per the 2015 defense review. It also leaves very little uh, funds available for operations and capital acquisition. Border safeguarding has also been raised as a concern by the Defense Committee on several occasions in the past. On each occasion, the Defense Committee indicated the need for government to expand the need for government to consider expanding beyond the current 
uh, 15 subunits deployed. This need became even more apparent as a means of disrupting the spread of COVID-19, especially along the border, and more so now due to security instability in one of the countries we share uh, borders with. Due to funding constraints, this has not been achieved. However, I should be grateful that Treasury allocated an additional 225 million rand to the Department of Defense over the MTF for the introduction of, of technologies, technological multipliers on their borders to enhance security and ensure that citizens are safe. The committee is monitoring the rollout of these technological multipliers. The air defense allocation has taken a knock in recent years. Two years ago, during a briefing to the defense committees, the then chief of the South African Air Force indicated that the force was in dire straits and operating in a survival mode, open and close code. The Air Force is not out of the, of the wood yet. The non-achievement of flying hours set as, a, as an annual target remains a concern. The funding challenges have not only impacted on the flying hours, but also on the ability of the Air Force to maintain aircraft, procure uh, spare parts. This has serious implications on the Air Force ability to maintain standards required of a, of a fighter pilot. Honorable combat Thank you. Uh, we proceed now to the DA, the Honorable Mare. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, in all my six years as a member of this portfolio, is this the challenging and the con most concerning budget consideration? Over the past year, the Minister of Defence stumbled from the one embarrassment to the next, damaged the reputation and integrity of the Commander-in-Chief, her office and the SNDF. We experienced a rude awakening with the ISIS-related insurgency in Cabo Delgado. Government had no significant response against the insurgents, and it failed to evacuate our citizens from Palma, who had to rely on the Dyke Advisory Group pilots and personnel to get them safely to Pemba. The instability in Cabo Delgado damaged the development of one of the biggest liquid natural gas production and economic development opportunities in the world, and has significantly increased the risks along our land and maritime borders. To date, we have not seen any meaningful improved land border safeguarding measures, and the decay of the strategic defense capabilities in the Navy and the Air Force have exposed us both in the air and on sea. The lack of relevant, credible, and reputable intelligence was evidence in the inability of government to respond effectively. The perception is that our intel agencies are more involved with the ANC factional battles than assuring intel in compliance with our constitution. It is thus no surprise to see National Treasury further thrashing the defense intelligence budget, probably because it's bad value for money. Economic opportunities have nearly been destroyed by the ANC. Unemployment is at the highest ever, and economic growth potential the lowest ever. The South African defense industry has been particularly hard hit due to the inability of the NEL to recover from the state capture looting, as well as their financial and management implosion. The latter is attributed to government, who failed to act promptly and support them in a way 
to benefit the country, defense industry, and our defense capabilities. The unilateral defense budget cuts by National Treasury, unwillingness by the minister and defense leadership to comply with both National Treasury and the 2015 Defense Review Guidelines, and the lack of strong political will and leadership, including the president, have collectively stripped the SNDF of its essential equipment, procurement, and maintenance capacity. This will have detrimental effects on both the SNDF and the defense industry stakeholders. Add to that the consistent frustration by the NCACC, not considering uh, industries export permit applications on a monthly basis, and we have an ideal recipe for chaos, which will destroy the once world-renowned South African defense industry with the compliments of the ANC. Chairperson, as mentioned, we saw the minister and those under executive leadership stumbling from the one embarrassment, transgression, and misstep to the other, and from the one irregular and wasteful expenditure to the next. We have experienced a consistent and frustrating power struggle between the minister and a department on the one side and the Minister of Finance and National Treasury on the other side at the expense of the, our defense readiness and the integrity of our country. The defense leadership only had one solution for their budget challenges, and that was more money. While National Treasury's standard response was, and I quote, little scope to provide additional funding, close quote. Their impasse has contributed significantly to the deterioration of our defense readiness and strategic capabilities. It seems obvious the political will does not exist with the commander-in-chief and the minister to bring a lasting solution to restructure and reprioritize the SNDF as a smaller but more responsive and affordable defense force. There must be a refocus to the current and future threats and priorities, which requires restructuring, repositioning, reprioritizing, and refunding of the department and the SNDF, including the extensive use of technology as force multipliers. The minister's embarrassments referred to above include the unwavering support to the generals regarding the death of Collins Corsa and their subsequent unprofessional behavior blaming each other with parliament being misled at the time. Her and her ANC colleagues hashtag Jetgate Safari to Zimbabwe at the expense of the Defense Force the illegal transportation of Cuban medicine, not once, but three times, which most will call drug smuggling by the Military Command Council with the support of the Minister of Defense, who then claim ignorance regarding the legal requirements for the importation of medicine. Bizarre and outrageous excuses of amongst them, the threat of biological warfare were given. Clearly, the Military Command Council saw themselves as above the law, while hundreds of millions of rands were wasted. So far, they have frustrated the investigations, seemingly to protect their personal interest, while no one has been held responsible and accountable. And the latest allegations against the minister, a poor judgment to spend millions on overseas trips with chartered aircraft, while the SNDF had to cut costs, was surely unfitting of this minister. In the private sector, she would have been fired. Why has the president not acted stronger against her? Is it because her husband is his security advisor? Let me turn to this budget. The following budget anomalies will show the inappropriate and wrong priorities and that little political and operational leadership exists to secure the sustainability of our defense readiness and strategic capabilities. The defense budget was reduced by 18.08% in real terms, including 
the army was reduced by 16.12%, of which the infantry capability decreased by 23%. Contractors will increase by nearly a billion rand. The Air Force was reduced by 24% in real terms, of which air combat capabilities decreased by 62%. Helicopter capabilities decreased by over 20%. Transport and maritime capabilities decreased by 29%. Fuel, oil and gas decreased by 54%. Our Navy was reduced by 17.2% in real terms, of which maritime combat capabilities decreased by 30.8%, but contractors increased by 58%. Military health was was reduced by 16.2% and defense intelligence reduced by 36.6%. However, under Program 1 administration, the ministry will receive an increase from 97.2 million to 125.5 million, which probably makes this the most expensive ministry, including S&T will increase by 95.7%, and communication services will increase by 47.6%. While Durko is planning to reduce their the foreign missions, the minister seems adamant to retain our 44 defense attaches. While both National Treasury and the 2015 Defense Review prescribe cost of employees not to be more than 40%, this budget reflects it as 63%. The department has already reported a projected, a projected overspend of 4.9 billion rand, which will bring cost of employees effectively to 73% of this allocated budget which will result in more irregular expenses. This leaves only 27% for operations, including training, as well as equipment acquisitions, maintenance, which is totally unsustainable. On this trajectory, the department and the SNDF has become only a safety net employment service, mostly for ex-MK members. This we should not allow. This secret defense account will be depleted and funding for Project Hoofaster, Biro, of which the first IPV Honorable is supposed Mare. to be delivered this month, and hotel is still not sure, not secured. Honorable Mare, your time is up. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Just to conclude, uh, Chairperson, no one can support this budget and expect defense capabilities not Thank to go down the drain Thank at you. an alarming speed. Time for change is now. Honorable member, your time is up. Uh, can we have uh, the, from the EFF, Honorable Mfanyana? Mfanyana? Honorable Mfanyana. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My apologies, Mfanyana. Let me, okay, thank you. Okay, you thank you. Uh, Chairperson, thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, what we have as leadership in this department is a minister. So the only thing we ought to be talking about today is her designation. Minister, it is under your leadership that the Department of Defense and military veterans have deteriorated to a point whereby the department cannot fulfill its mandate optimally. The portfolio, the portfolio committee on defense and military veterans has recently gone on oversight on the colonial borders of Mozambique, Swaziland, and Zimbabwe. The horrific, unacceptable, and intolerable working conditions of soldiers exposed to 
are deplorable. Our soldiers, particularly our women soldiers, relieve themselves in the bushes because there are military posts that have no ablution facilities along the borders of Zimbabwe and Mozambique. On patrol alongside the borders, the SANDF is using the Toyota Hilux buggies that are not fit for purpose. The terrain is hostile for such vehicles. They daily, they daily experience punctures because the type of tires that are used are not fit for such a terrain. The department is aware. And however, whoever approved the purchase of such vehicles needs to be investigated. Our soldiers cannot merge the criminal syndicate's operations. They are weakened and have no requisite resources to outlast the criminal syndicates. On maritime side, we are often told that there has been a decline in maritime piracy and unlawful activities in our waters. The lack of sufficient vessels to patrol our oceans, in particular, the outdated vessels that lack the new technology that can help as a force multiplier to curb or detect irregularities on our waters, leave us with no hope for the current regime to win the battle against crime on our ocean economy. On the Mozambican channel, we know now Mozambique and Tanzania are signatories to security arrangements and joint responsibilities. The reality on the ground is that both Mozambique and Tanzania are not physically involved. In whose interest is South Africa patrolling Mozambique? Who stands to benefit? The simple answer is, that the imperialist forces are continually milking Africa's mineral resources and raw material in the name of so-called investors. South Africa is providing an enabling environment by continuously patrolling the Mozambique channel. The NEL has collapsed to a point where employees of the NEL are not able to receive their salaries. Some of the NEL employees have had their houses repossessed as a result of their failure to pay their bonds. Some committed suicide, and their, and their family structures have been torn apart. Others are living in cars, and their, their children's school routine has been abruptly stopped. The cause of their miseries is corruption and the government desire to privatize denial at all costs. The denial cannot keep the South African Air Force operation, some of the squadrons. Mr. Godan, the Minister of Public Enterprises, has stated in this parliament to have a master plan to rescue the net. But because we have a weak Minister of Defense who cannot hold her colleague to account for his reckless utterances, we knew then that there is no truth in what Mr. Godan was saying. Skilled and specialist engineers have left for greener pastures locally and abroad. Some of them have manipulated the intellectual property rights of our armaments. They are, current, they are currently producing the same armaments with our sovereignty capabilities and selling them to the NEL's previous clients. That is fraud at its highest order. The minister's responses will always be, I'm not aware, we will investigate, or the matter is with the command council, yet things remain the same. The NEL has lost credibility in the manufacturing arms industry locally and abroad because of a lack of dynamic leadership and the failure of both the, this minister 
and their counterpart at public enterprises. The intention is clear. You all want to privatize the NEL to further weakening the sovereignty of South Africa during this global armaments competition and eminent security threats. Coronavirus and budget cuts can no longer be used as an excuse for the failure to run your department effectively. Minister, you are weak and incompetent. On the issue of military veterans, particularly those from the non-statutory forces, it has become a travesty of justice on the lives of those who sacrificed their lives, their lives for this current mess we find ourselves in. No economic freedom for them because of the poor judgment on your department minister. The EFF rejects this budget. Thank you. Chair, I trust that you are giving me a platform, but you have not unmuted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Babu Numalo is cutting a sarcoma. Uh, thanks, Chair. I did not want to assume and read your lips. <laughs> no, I thank you. Well, thank Chair, you it remains much. essential that our National Defence Force capability remains at the stage of readiness. In respect of both national and with regard to the peacekeeping mission in both the region and in the continent. Now, in order to fulfill the above mandate, certain fundamentals must be in place and fully functional. It continues to be of concern to the IFP that the following areas if not addressed, will have a detrimental effect upon the sustainability of an effective defense capability. Despite the budget cuts, the use of civilian contractors has increased from 2 billion rands in 2020 2021 to 3 billion rands in 21-22. Now, this is, the almo- this is almost a million rand, a nearly 30% increase in spending. Now, the IFP calls for the most stringent oversight to be deployed over such relating to the administrative cost of the ministry of the department of defense for the 21-22 the cost of the ministry is 125.5 million rands which is significantly higher than the 97.2 spent in the previous financial year now the defense capacity is not is only good as as the defense forces manpower and the technology On both these fronts, urgent redress is required. Low morale amongst troops leads to ill-discipline, criminal activity, and, and general effectiveness. Steps must be taken to ensure that members of the SNPF are well-trained and equipped. A sense of national pride must be instilled and not undermined. Also, outdated technology and equipment that is no longer working is no longer in working condition, not only endangers the lives of the troops and those that are, they are supposed to protect, but it also contributes to the low morale. The acquisition of new and modern equipment to maintain a professional military force remains an urgent priority, not only for defense, but also to assist from illegal fishing, which is currently plundering in our fishing stocks. This remains a real threat to the nation's sustainable, sustainable, sustainability of food and the security. Any savings should be repurposed, especially towards operational expenses, specifically fuel and other operational needs that negatively affect the attaining of flying and sea hour targets. As this is directly 
in, impacting upon defense capability and our readiness. The IFP agrees that border security is an urgent priority that must be allocated, alloc allocated additional funding, budget, and other resources. The continuing porosity of our borders presents the country with increased risk, not only social economically, but also in terms of the region and international crisis. They call for the improvement of healthcare and accelerated access to the to access that to for military veterans and their dependents in order to mitigate the impact of COVID-19. We also call for the urgent prioritization of the review of Military Veterans Act 18 of 2011, as well as any other inadequate legislation and policy, as this will be central to addressing various other challenges to effectively deliver benefits to military veterans and their dependents. The IFP will support uh, this budget. Honourable Chairperson, if we talk about the defence as such, I want to start with Danelle. I had the privilege to work for 10 years at certain affiliates of the now called Danelle, that is then called AMSCO. It is quite disturbing if you have to hear this morning on the news bulletins that Danelle is not in a position to pay the full salary of its employees. Danelle and its affiliates was once on the forefront of new technology when it comes to armament. It played a major role in the world as far as that is concerned. But because of the mismanagement, because of the fact that not capable, qualified managers were appointed in Denel, we have the situation what we have. Again, we have to see how affirmative action is destroying the economy and certain institutions in South Africa. And I cannot understand why the government cannot understand that what South Africa needs is that we appoint capable, well-qualified people and not people who is only loyal to the governing party. And as long as you keep doing that, I can assure you that we will have more problems. Honorable Chair, a country's defense force is the pride of a nation. Or let me put it this way. It is supposed to be the pride of a nation. And the reason for that is because it is the strength and the professional way that a country's defense force acts when the people feel safe because the constitutional obligation is to protect the sovereignty of the country. And citizens of a country, they want to know that their sovereignty is in well-disciplined people. Now, if we look at the South African National Defense Force, we must be honest towards each other, Honorable Minister. And you're in this for 
very long years, many years. I am sure that there must be times when you lower your head in shame. Hoekom sê ek dat daar is stuie wanneer ons ons koppe in skaamte laat hang as ons praat oor die Suid-Afrikaanse nationale weermacht. Dit gebeur dat as die minister self haar mag misbruik om partijpolitieke mense met militaire vervoer na een bierland vervoer. En as jy vraag vraag aan die parlement, dan kry jy nie die antwoorde nie. Met ander woorde, die politieke hoof stel die voorbeeld van swak discipline. Jy laat jou kop in skaamte hang as jy moet hoor van miljarde rande wat spandeer word en waar korruptie te sprake is. Daar sou een onderzoek gedoen geword het en een paneel aangewijse dier die minister van verdediging in termen van die eindstoffe wat ingevoer is van Cuba. Ek het nog nie die verslag gesien nie. En die vraag is, want die topbestuur van die Weermacht was teensoe een onderzoek. Het die minister toe nou finaal die span saamgestel en het ons die resultaat? Achtbare minister, jy moet die voorbeeld stel. Ons sien te veel gevalle waar lede van die SANW aangeklaar word selfs vir kriminele dade. There is an obligation on you as the Honorable Minister and the fear management. Chairperson, I still got 30 seconds. I've got a stopwatch in front of me. So what I want to conclude then, Honorable Chair, is to say that the Honorable Minister must set the example. And if we look at what is happening in the South African National Defense Force, Honorable Minister, I think the time has come that you must consider to retire. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We now ask Motlatsa Tuna and Tatema Kwetsa happy birthday before you speak. I hope you enjoy the day. The time is yours, Honorable Makwetla, Deputy Minister. Honorable Deputy Minister Makwetla. My mic is on. I hope you can hear me all. Honorable House Chairperson, thank you for your kind wishes. Uh, allow me to recognize the Honorable Minister of Defense and Military Veterans, Minister Nosiviwe Mapisa Nakula, uh, and Honorable Members of Parliament's Defense and Military Veterans Oversight Committees, colleagues, distinguished leaders of our military establishment and the defense community at large, honorable members of the house. Our budget this year comes after 14 months 
of an unprecedented curtailment of many activities in our normal life and the introduction of a range of new practices we never imagined could be part of our lives before. All this to ensure that life continues. yourself. Performance in many spheres of human endeavor has been subdued as we learn new ways of doing things. The same applies to the programs of both our Department of Defense and the Department of Military Veterans over the period under review. Honorable members, we now know better that the threat to human life will not always emanate from outright war and conflicts. The huge threat which remains hanging over human life as a result of the coronavirus tells us that we may have entered an era where pandemics are likely to become part of our lives into the future. This has a direct bearing on how the security of citizens and the forte of militaries are perceived and organized for globally today. Our budget debate takes place against an important changing of the guard in the command of our defense force. This marks in part a significant signpost because it notably marks the bowing out of the last leadership team from the legendary June 16 detachment of Umkonto Wesizwe. This by implication is the team which served the longest time in boots and uniform for almost four decades and a half. I therefore wish to join the Honorable Minister, Minister Mapisa Ngakula, in giving a royal salute to the outgoing Chief of the South African National Defense Force, General Shoke, and his team, Lieutenant General Zimpande Msimang, Lieutenant General Jeremy Anyembe, Lieutenant General Zola Tabula, for their patriotism and the dedication with which they served their country. Similarly, I wish to join the minister again in congratulating the team which is about to resume duties under the able command of the new chief of the South African National Defense Force, General Ruzani Rumapanyo, which includes Lieutenant General Mbata, Lieutenant General Wiseman Mbambo, Lieutenant General Nchaveni Mapaha, Lieutenant General Sipiwe Sangweni, and Lieutenant General Talita we wish them well and we wish them all the wisdom in their new crucial responsibilities. House Chair and Honorable Members, to move on, allow me to, ma- to remind the House that our debate today straddles two votes, namely Vote 23, the DOT budget, and Vote 26, the DMV budget. For the first time, the budget of DMV is now a separate vote with the responsibility to account for its own budget through its own accounting and budget systems. This concludes the bureaucratic process of establishing a standalone Department of Military Veterans, which commenced a decade ago. It is the beginning, rather in the beginning and in the recent past, military veterans have called for a separate ministry for military veterans because their perception is that things are not happening for them or their interests suffer neglect because of the absence of a separate ministry dedicated to military veterans. 
In view of the successful creation of a separate vote of DMV, it may assist in future for Parliament to consider separating the debates of these two votes so as to allow sufficient attention and time for the ventilation of the business of the Department of Military Veterans. This arrangement does exist in some of the ministries which oversights two departments. However, it is for Parliament to explore the logistics of such an arrangement. Honorable members, the DMV continues to register steady progress in delivering on its mandate. However, its achievements remain modest because the project to establish the DMV stalled midway. The DMV budget allocations plateaued before a full department could be realized. As a result, the department only exists nationally. It lacks any meaningful infrastructure in the provinces, which deprives military veterans access to its services. In addition to this objective constraint, the internal environment is characterized by several debilitating debilitating subjective weaknesses. The skills base of the department is inadequate and and consequence management is not strong enough. The planning capacity of the department has improved, but still remains below what the department requires. There are still policy gaps, which are dealt with through ad hoc measures and benefits whose delivery modalities are still to be designed. These challenges account for the widespread dissatisfaction among military veterans. Honorable members, as the saying goes, to every crisis there is a silver silver lining. The depth of dissatisfaction among military veterans escalated. Over time, petitions from military veterans to the president started growing. This led to a request by the president for an urgent meeting with the Ministry of Defense and Military Veterans over grievances of military veterans. House Chair, this political intervention was a major relief and a shot in the arm to the mandate and mission of the Department of Military Veterans because it brought the needed executive weight to resolve some of the obstacles which constrained support for military veterans. The president appreciated the need for extraordinary measures to bring instant relief to the needs of military veterans. This intervention rested on three pillars. Firstly, there was agreement that as a matter of agency, the provinces should be roped in to facilitate immediate accessibility of services to military veterans through provincial line function departments, including metros and district councils where applicable. Secondly, that all national departments whose mandates addresses some of the needs of military veterans be brought into the agenda of the task team. Thirdly, that the military pension, which is provided for in the DMV legislated policy, be introduced as a matter of agency and that the 350 social relief of distress COVID-19 grant be paid out to all destitute military veterans with, with immediate effect. This is a task which the Honorable Deputy President David Mabuza has been assigned to spearhead 
supported by the Minister of Defense and Military Veterans, Minister Mapisa Ngakula, the Deputy Minister of Defense and Military Veterans, and the Minister in the Presidency, the late Jackson Mtembu, who was subsequently replaced by Minister Kumbuto Nchabeni. To realize the above mission, Since November 2020, the task team has met with all existing military veterans associations of both former statutory and non-statutory forces. All the grievances were processed and negotiated, barring the demand by one group of military veterans for a once-off payment of two million per person for their participation in the struggle. This demand was considered virtually impossible and was set aside. The task team has proceeded to establish work streams around each of the grievances raised by military veterans. Each work stream is composed by officials from the relevant line function departments, DMV and provincial sister department representatives. These teams have terms of reference and milestones for their work. These work streams are as follows. Firstly, the verification and cleansing of the database work stream. A new team has been reconstituted by the Minister of Defense and Military Veterans to resume the verification of 5,000 plus applicants whose, whose files are at the DMV. The process is observed by all representatives of interested associations. The panel has already had several verification sessions. It is an opportunity for bona fide military veterans who are not on the, on the database to come forward to be verified and integrated. We should emphasize that this is the last endeavor to get bona fide military veterans who are not on the database to be included. Following this work, the military veterans database will be officially and finally sealed. The process to verify dependents will follow suit. Honorable members, we must underline the building, that the building rather of a credible database of genuine military veterans stands between the success of, or, fa or failure of the Department of Military Veterans. If the DMV fails to secure a list of credible recipients of the benefits we are providing, the department will lose credibility and respect in the eyes of the broader public and will become an object of resentment and derision. We call on all genuine military veterans and members of the public to come forward and assist DMV in exposing fraudsters and corrupt individuals during this exercise. It is about time for ethics and resentment for corruption to trend in our society. Let them not pass. The second work stream is legislative review. The process of amending the current Military Veterans Act is in progress. Support has been sourced from the Department of Defense, the Justice and Constitutional Department, the National Treasury as well. Consultation with other government departments is taking place alongside engagements with military veterans associations. The scheduled presentation by the department to the portfolio committee should be followed by a presentation of the actual preliminary objects of the bill. 
The third work stream is the restructuring of the DMV. The Department of Military Veterans, supported by DPSA, the Department of Defense, and National Treasury, are collaborating over this intervention. They have refined and confirmed the new service delivery model of the Department of Military Veterans. They hope to be done by end of June to submit a DPSA, rather to DPSA for ratification of their product. The fourth work stream is military pension. There is consultation with National Treasury and its agency GEPF, the Department of Social Development and its agency SASA aimed at finalizing the draft policy. A workshop was held to test the efficacy of the proposed draft policy. More than 900 military veterans received a sum of 1,200 monthly over the last nine months as their SRD grant. This was possible because DMV provided a complementary amount of 850 rands to these recipients. An additional 614 applicants have been processed. The fifth work stream is social services. With respect to social services, the principle is to craft protocols which will govern the collaboration between the DMV and provincial line function departments. This includes, among others, an arrangement which obviates the need for the transfer of top-up budgets in the delivery of houses to military veterans. The easy flow of information from the Department of Military Veterans to provinces to provide bona fide recipients of houses, health and education is important. The sixth work stream is the presidential pardon. The Department of Justice and Constitutional Development has furnished the office of the president with files of individuals who have applied for presidential pardon dating back to administrations before, rather to two administrations before. Those involved in the November March, military veterans who were involved in the November March are called upon to submit their particulars as well. Lastly, the heritage and memorialization work stream. This work stream is collaborating with the Department of Arts and Culture. Among its keys, key of projects rather, is the concretization of plans for the return of human remains of those who lie buried in distant lands across the globe. We thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry on your birthday, you. I have to cut yeah. you. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chair. Thank you. Uh, we now proceed as I hand over to my colleague, uh, Honorable Casa, uh, that uh, we are uh, now calling on the Honorable uh, on of the ACDP. Thank you, Chairperson. May we also wish, thank you, Chairperson. May we also wish the Deputy Minister a very happy and blessed 